The Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. This week I welcome back Caleb Storkey to the Leadership File. A former music graduate and CEO of a property company, Caleb works as a coach, speaker, consultant and presenter and has a particular interest in using social media. His blog is Leadership, Communication and Technology, areas in which he coaches and speaks. So welcome back, Caleb. Hello there. Great to be back. Um, uh, last time you, you came on, we began uh, to look at how leaders might create a presence online. Yeah. Uh, and we, we spoke about the fundamental role of a blog. Uh, building a community and, and various options, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, and why you, you think it's important for leaders of churches and businesses to get to grips with all this stuff uh, and why they might be scared of putting content online. So um, people can go to show 407, so there'll be a little bit of overlap, I'm sure, in our conversation. But um, you know, if you're listening and um, you want to get to that show, then go online to, to show 407. So um, Thanks for coming back to, to share more. So let's just to remind ourselves why businesses, churches, charities uh, are, are wise to focus their energy on, on social media. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, it's great to be back. And I, and I think the crucial thing is that the three groups you mentioned, businesses, churches and charities and lots of different organisations are looking to communicate with their audience, mm. whether it be their customers, whether it be the members of their congregation um, or even their staff and their other stakeholders. And in essence... Social media isn't particularly complicated. It's just another form of communication. Picking up the phone, that's the one form of communication. Email is another form of communication. And social media is yet another form mm. of communication. I think sometimes we've overcomplicated it because there's different strategies, there's different approaches, there's, there's different tools, there's different platforms. But in essence, anyone that's in the business or in the focus or with the need to communicate will find that social media is a very effective tool. And no doubt your listeners will be using it left, right and centre and uh, will, will be enjoying um, the benefits that they find from using social media. Indeed, indeed, yeah. So, um, and we, we talked before that, that it doesn't have to be a massively expensive business, um, you know, especially some of the ones we've mentioned. Yeah, yeah, in many ways. I mean, so obviously if you look at sort of traditional advertising, um, it can be a very expensive thing to get a TV advert out mm -hmm. or radio advert or something in the local press. And... Back in the day, I think, I can't remember if we, we discussed this last time, actually, but Seth Godin had his whole focus around interruption marketing. Did we talk mm. about this? No, we didn't. I, don't okay, think we didn't. I think this would be quite interesting. So, um, again, it's kind of, sort of quite historical mm. and quite um, dated uh, story, but I think it's still quite relevant because it speaks into our current situation mm. today. 1999, Seth Godin um, wrote a book called Permission Marketing. Um, and as a result of that, he was exploring what it means to reach an audience um, and what it means to uh, interact with potential customers. And what tended to happen is that people um, would interrupt people with a big advert or a big amount of noise or a lot of money spent on a campaign. The idea being, if I can get your attention, get you to look at my advert, you then might in due course buy my product yeah. or my service. Fast forward to now, the reality is we are bombarded by adverts every mm, single day. Mm. Back then, he used the example that we absorbed more than 3,000 adverts a day. Really? We're, we're way beyond that now because <laughs> obviously Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Google and the rest of it were constantly absorbing all this all mm -hmm. this advertising material and the truth is we, we choose to zone it out so if we're um, watching TV the likelihood is we don't watch the adverts why? because we fast forward it if we've got our virgin TV or if we're driving down the street some people will find that they look far more at their phone which probably they shouldn't be <laughs> than they actually look at the billboards that are there in front of them mm. so this interruption model of marketing certainly doesn't work if you're trying to 
I suppose, introduce mm-hmm. a product mm-hmm. or a service. Maybe if you're trying to reinforce one that's already well-established, it can still be helpful. But to introduce or launch a product or service, this form of advertising doesn't work. Right. So his argument would be, actually, what works far better is something called permission marketing, which is where I give you permission to market to me a product or a service that I think is going to be beneficial to me. Right. So in the wider context, where it comes back to organisations and businesses and even churches mm-hmm. who are looking to communicate effectively with their audience... It doesn't work unless they've got permission for those people to say, yes, I want to receive your content. Right, right. You might need to interrupt a little bit at the beginning to get their permission. Mm. But in essence, you're looking to build longer term relationships as opposed to, I suppose, going for the one night stand. Yeah, right. That's and the so, equivalent. No, sure. So so charities classically, therefore, will, um, will develop a, a relationship with the people who give to their charity or are interested in their charity. Yep. And, and often there will be a, a place on on a form or whatever that says, yes, I'm happy to receive more or not. That's, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, so that would be one example. Another mm. example might be that they download an ebook from someone's website mm. because there's some information that's mm. really helpful there or even just that they follow someone on Twitter or they like mm. someone on Facebook. They're basically saying, I consider you to be valuable and important and I'm quite happy for you to speak into my situation. Right. And reality is, if we don't get that permission, you know, it's so easy for us to press spam we don't mm. like this email anymore and and so the reality is we, we all need to make sure that um, we're focusing on building long-term relationships mm. with our stakeholders and our customers mm. okay now um within the kind of social media world there's a lot talked about finding finding a niche and um to talk about the significance of of niche the word niche in in that context yeah i think because you can break down and and narrow your search very very specifically it's not broad enough to be speaking about a broad concept so if we take uh if let's take this subject the mm. subject of marketing someone might turn around and say i am a marketing uh consultant for small and medium sized businesses that's great, but along with the 100,000 people mm, who are mm. doing it in your neighbourhood, you're going to yeah. find lots of competition. So generally, by and large, especially when you're creating content online, it's really important to niche down that content. So, for mm. example, it might be that you're not saying that you're a marketing consultant. Mm. You might be saying that you're an inbound marketing consultant. And you might not then be saying that you're an inbound marketing consultant, which basically means how you draw people to your website and engage with them. Mm. You might be saying that you're a landing page creator for those who are into inbound marketing. So in essence, you're trying to really drill down to what the specific need is that someone mm. might have so that when they're searching in Google or looking up um, things in advanced search on Twitter or going through Facebook, they can find you more easily and also so that other people know how to refer back to you. Mm. I've got to be honest, I'm really bad at this. Mm. I, I find it really hard to sort of narrow things down because it feels um, limiting things. It mm-hmm. feels like, ah, oh, you know, there's so much more fun you can have with all these sort of ideas and concepts. Uh, but much to my peril. Right, right. <laughs> and so um, I've learned the necessity to really narrow things down. So, so for example, now I'd refer to myself if I need to as a social media strategist mm. um, because that's kind of the little niche that really excites me. And I suppose the argument that, you know, you said you were bad at it because you, you wanted to explore lots of things. But presumably the, the, the beauty of the web is that there are millions of people potential marketing so there will be, even if your niche is small then you'll still find enough people who are unless it's really really small you know enough people who are going to be attracted to that and if you're too broad people think well this is not for me yeah a silly example would be sometimes when people sort of say well don't blog about rap music uh, blog about a specific rapper don't blog about a specific rapper blog about their hairstyle now, right. as dull as it might be to you or me to blog about someone's hairstyle, um, for some people, globally, there'll be an audience of people that love rappers' hairstyles. So as you apply that principle into whatever um, medium or niche that mm. you're in, 
that that principle still applies. Okay. And obviously, once you then find expertise within that niche, you can you can buy by and large sort of broaden out again. Mm. Uh, but it's important just to be distilled and just to mm. have a reference point that people know how to turn to you. Okay. So um, we're looking in sort of detail at um, at what what makes a good blog. Uh, yeah. Um, Talk, talk me through what sort of length. Um, you've, we've talked about the niche, so it, it needs to be on the topic uh, that you're focusing on, however broad or narrow that is. But what, what, what about the length? What about pictures or not pictures, fonts and all the rest of it? Talk sure. a little bit about blogs. and Everyone's got their own style. Everyone's got their own um, <laughs> approach. And so um, this would be my approach and sort of mm. uh, some of the examples that I'll have seen work elsewhere. So there's different arguments on length. Uh, Seth Godin, who I've previously mentioned, would do lovely short pithy blog posts mm. around about 300, 400 words. And he just bangs out one every single day religiously, and it's incredibly helpful, incredibly insightful. Um, and there's a, a level of wisdom that you can just you know, stew on over the day. Mm. Other people do long 1,500-word uh, posts where they're really almost giving and providing a tutorial, a, an A to B, um, as to how they go about implementing a new piece of software or setting up their Facebook page more effectively. Mm. So it depends on, obviously, what your content is and what your audience is. So I think before you go into the content length, the question to ask as you take one step back before that is what does your audience want? Yeah. And I think that's that's the really important thing that people need to sort of um, spend time doing. And again, until you really know what your own niche is, i.e. what are you passionate about? Mm. Because in essence, I am I like social media strategy because I'm passionate about it because mm. reality is I'm up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning quite often playing around with new toys and new tools because actually I really want to get to grips mm. with them. Mm. Um, so... Once you identify, you know what is it that you're passionate about, and and therefore what are you willing to spend lots of time sort of learning and developing and growing in? I think it's then the secondary question for me would be what is it that your what is it that your audience needs? Hmm. And by really being able to sort of focus on what your audience needs, um, that that gives you the capacity to then create the relevant content hmm. that will be appropriate for them, and then in due course that will determine the length of those uh, posts that you create, or even the videos you create, or the podcasts. Hmm that you create on that basis. And that's partly by obviously asking them if you've got a, an audience, existing audience, is asking and also maybe doing some research on other blogs and other areas that to find out what what people are interested in out there. Yeah, I think it's a very lonely world if you if you know if we if you look at this as a subject of how you start up a blog. Mm. I think it's a very lonely world because often when people begin to blog, uh they're they're sending something out. Mm. No one, no one seems to be reading it. The stats are very low. No one seems to be commenting or liking it or retweeting it. So I think initially it's about trying to connect with a tribe or try and connect with an audience that can help shape uh, your content. So, you know, a lot of my blog posts when I put them out have been really, really crap. You know, really try it. I've not been particularly impressed by them. And I think, you know, this is, this is who knows if would read this? I don't even want to read it. And over time, you sort of, you hone your message and you, you hone your tone and you find a sort of a style that you're happy with. And that's often reinforced by the reaction of those people who are reading it. So in terms of, um, in terms of sort of starting out, in, in creating a blog post or, or, or a blog, I think it's about sort of saying, well, who are the leading people within that field and how can I learn from them? Mm. So a couple of really good tools to use for that um, would be feedly.com, mm. uh, which is a, a tool that you can use to um, go out and find helpful blog posts and mm. bring them into what's called your Feedly account. It's an RSS tool uh, without getting too technical. And what that enables you to do is to drill down into one place all the different bloggers within your niche that you're really interested in which you can then be reading on, a, on an ongoing basis. So I think that's really helpful to mm. see what examples have worked elsewhere. And, and from that, you can then also look at the titles that people have created. Um, because often people read uh, and share the content, often based on the title. You know, and so 
by looking at the title and then reading through the blog post, it can help form what people really want to receive. Yeah. And this is the nugget. So this is where I've got, I, I went wrong for a long time and where lots of people tend to go wrong is that they write what they want to write. The problem is people don't care about you. Sounds harsh, <laughs> but it's true. People really are so short of time, short of attention, busy, they don't really care about your news. And often for, for business leaders and for community mm. leaders and church leaders who are passionate about what they're doing, there's an, almost an expectation that other people will be passionate about it too. Well, the reality is most people won't be. A very, very small minority of people mm. will be. But even those minority of people that might be interested aren't really going to be as interested unless they can see a tangible benefit that that content creates for them. So starting the content saying, how does this benefit somebody else, I think is the really crucial starting point. We're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Caleb Stalking as we've been talking about social media. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Caleb Storky. It's a welcome back to Caleb. We were uh, looking before the break at um, the use of, of blogging particularly and how you decide on the content and uh, and that your audience or your potential audience should be shaping your content. You should be asking the right questions and uh, not be too narcissistic as you're, <laughs> as you're creating your posts. So um, um, we're, we're looking in the second part, uh, Caleb, at, uh, at developing some of these these themes and maybe looking a bit more practically at how you actually go about setting up accounts. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, for, for some for some listeners, this is a, a new world. They're kind of they're probably in touch with our conversation thus far, but they're thinking, yeah, but I'm you know, how would I actually practically go about setting up a a website, a blog. Now, we looked at this a little bit on show 407. People can go back to that. But just remind us, you know, in terms of costs and how you go about starting, say, you're going to start your website for yourself, maybe, or for your, you know, most charities will have one already. But what about one for yourself? Just to reassure people mm. as well, um, 88% of people, uh, of businesses, sorry, mm. according to the Harvard Business Review, find that they don't really know what it is that they're doing with their social media accounts. Okay, so we're not in the minority <laughs> if we're struggling here. Okay, fine. Um, the reality is lots of people are still trying to get mm. to grips with this. So in terms of setting up a, a blog, mm. there's, there's different sort of um, blog platforms that you can mm. use. Um, my favourite is WordPress. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I like that is because there's a worldwide a community of developers who are mm. creating plugins for WordPress. Mm. And without teaching you to suck eggs. Obviously, plugins enable people to add specific functionality into their blog mm. without having to hard-code it themselves. Mm-hmm. Five, 10, 15 years ago, lots of people would have been sold websites sort of saying, well, if you do this then uh, and you pay this amount of money, then we'll be able mm. to build these features for you. Reality is you should never really be spending much more, especially as a small charity, much more than 500 to £1,500 pounds mm. on a blog mm. um, if you're getting someone to create that for you. Mm. Because there's so many plugins that create this functionality that enable you to do this for free. Mm. And if you're happy to tinker around and you've got a good design that can come up with a good look and feel, reality is you can do this for free. Mm-hmm. So to start off with, I, I would use a WordPress-based um, mm. blog. And you've got the option of having a WordPress.com uh, blog, which mm. basically would mean, in your scenario, it would be andypeck.wordpress.com. Mm. Mm. Uh, the, the, the disadvantage of that is that it's harder to brand and it's a longer sort of domain. Mm. Um, the other disadvantage is that um, some uh, some sort of tools or uh, resources that you like to use with that don't necessarily work as effectively on mm. a, uh, a WordPress hosted blog as opposed to one within your own sort of mm. control. So the other option is to do uh, a self-hosted WordPress blog, mm-hmm. uh, which you can get via um, WordPress.org. So in essence, mm. what you do is you uh, buy a hosting package, mm-hmm. um, and that might be through 
through, through a firm, for example, called Bluehost. They're, mm-hmm. they're the ones that I use. And you might spend £50 a year um, having hosting on your on your you know, buying right. a hosting package. You would then install WordPress onto that hosting package, mm. and then you would install what's called a WordPress theme onto your WordPress account. Uh-huh. And that enables you to create a unique look and feel mm. so that it looks like a, a blog that you see out there. And at the moment, 20% or 19% of all of all websites um, globally are WordPress blogs. So it gives okay. you an idea of their scope right. and their influence. So that that's the sort of the initial building blocks. Mm. Um, you can either do that yourself, or you can get other people in to help on that mm. basis. That's that's dead easy. Sure. Oh, well, that's, that's that's very very useful. Um, so so you set you've set your blog up, um, you know, and then how how we talked a little bit about length, and that will vary in terms of frequency. Again, people have different arguments for that. Mm. So um, the blogs that I actually spend a lot of time on uh, reading, uh, they might post two mm. or three times a day, and they're very in-depth studies, mm. but they'll have a team of five people who are just mm. churning mm. this out. Um, other people might blow, post three to four times uh, a week. I, I think for, for a lot of our listeners, uh, I think if they're looking to share their thoughts, if it's purely just as a, this is what our organisation is doing, mm. um, they're not necessarily looking to draw and, and grow their audience, you know, um, they could do it once or twice a week. If they're looking to sort of grow their audience mm. and have an engaged people in, involved in the conversation, mm. I think generally it's quite hard to do that unless you're posting three to five times a week. Mm. Um, and it might be that you sort of you, you pull back from that slightly over time, but to get that initial uh, mm. re- recognition that people's attention spans are very short, that there's so much noise that's out there, and that reality is unless um, they're signing up to your uh, you know, your blog posts to arrive in their email, mm. uh, it's unlikely that they're going to be coming back to your site on a regular basis. So mm. I, I would say three to five times a week. Okay. And and the kind of tools that, that assist the process uh, in terms of understanding, you know, how many are coming to the site, how well it's being received, maybe maybe expanding, if you were in a business environment, expanding those who know about you. Um, you know, you can throw a lot of money, I understand, at, at these things. What are the ones that you, you'd recommend? Particularly? Oh, there's, there's a bunch of different tools mm-hmm. i mean I, I could go through them all now but i'll, I'll give a link which will yeah, please go, do, yeah. through, go through them all so um calebstalky.com slash resources mm-hmm. um i've got a list of all the different tools that i use okay. on, on my site but i'll just i'll just cherry pick one or two sure, now which would be do, helpful yeah. so in in terms of um analytics you know google mm-hmm. analytics is is a free uh, resource yeah. and that's quite helpful in terms of being able to see mm-hmm. the traffic that comes into your site and and many people obviously will be familiar mm-hmm. with that in, in terms of understanding um, how to grow your audience, mm. um, a site that I draw people's attention to would be something called Triber. Um, this is a lovely little site which enables uh, you to connect with other bloggers of a similar interest. So, for example, I can connect with other bloggers who are into social media, and together we can be sharing each other's content, commenting mm. on each other's content, and in essence form a small little tribe. That's fantastic. Mm. Not only do I get um, the, the the benefit of their wisdom and their sharing and their thoughts, and that obviously mm. hone, hones my own thinking, um, they can support me in, in sharing my content and I can support them in sharing mm. their content. And so it, it's a sense of like you, you don't feel so isolated as a blogger mm. um, when you've got people part of your tribe on that basis. So that's a really good site, triber.com. Um, then there's lots of other sites that you can use in terms of, uh, I suppose, mm. Again, it, it, part of the question is what is the blog for? So if mm. we're if we're thinking this in the context that this is a an organisation looking to um, to share their news as as an organisation, I, I would want to I suppose push it a little bit further. I, I don't think social media is um, just about sort of sharing news and mm. and having conversations and telling stories or those 
Although that's crucial. That's what mm. really makes um makes a a, a a campaign work is when people are, are good storytellers. And many of mm. our listeners will be fantastic storytellers because because they'll be doing that on a very regular basis. So I think that's one element of it. But also people are actually looking to sort of say, well, how does this convert into sales? Because in essence, you know, if you're sending an email or if you're making phone mm. calls, um, a lot of organisations are looking to generate money, mm. whether that be people to events or whether it be even people coming onto a service or whether it be people mm. um, buying a service or a product. Mm. So I, I think within that context, um, there's a necessity, therefore, to, to grow your audience effectively and the right sort of audience, making sure that you're searching for the right keywords, perhaps using advanced search on Twitter mm-hmm. um, or perhaps using sort of Facebook's advertising sort of uh, algorithms to sort of drill down exactly who it is mm. that you want to reach. Because by approaching your right audience delivering the appropriate content to that audience mm. and over time building a relationship with your audience, that's what's going to get, um, I suppose, the long-term impact that you want as opposed to a series of lots of different blog posts which mm. one or two people have read and retweeted, but there isn't really a level of engagement there. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of the cost of some of these things some of them are free some of them you're going to have to invest a little bit of money which is yeah, if my, you're doing a business it's fair enough yeah absolutely i mean i i i, I would say most um paid versions or pro versions mm-hmm. of the software lots of them are, you have a freemium version but most paid or pro versions would range for anything from five pounds up to sort of 50 pounds a month mm-hmm. um and then obviously you can get more sophisticated things if, you, if you're doing it from a from a strong business perspective right. so yeah so there's, there's loads that you can do it and do check out calebstalky.com slash resources because mm-hmm. You know, I've got them all listed there, and, and um, you can get easy access to it on that basis. Okay, um, and uh, we're sadly coming to the end of time, but um, just uh, trends ahead um, for um, the social media world. Yeah, so a few stats that might be helpful. Mm. So we check our phones 150 times a day. So wow. I think mobile <laughs> is incredibly significant. Um, so I think the reality is that we, we need to sort of incorporate that into yeah. our web design and also our geolocations of where people are located. Sure. Um, it took three years for Twitter to get to a billion tweets, whereas now they're getting a billion tweets every two days. So wow. if you're not on Twitter, you really need to be. It's mm. not about just short, pithy conversations, um, just talking drivel. Mm. You can really form some incredible relationships and, and learn lots of things on that basis. Mm. And, and in, in many ways, um, businesses are using those uh, mm-hmm. tools as part of their customer service. So we'll, we'll see that increase. So for example, KLM, they handle 35,000 questions a week through their social media channels. Mm. Their resp- response time is an average time of 23 minutes. They've got 130 dedicated staff wow. who focus <laughs> only on social. Gracious me. So right. this isn't just fluff stuff. This is a mm-hmm. you know, customer service channel that people uh, really really work mm. effectively with. So in terms of what, what do I see coming in the future? Well, for me, I, in terms of social media, in terms of just the immediate short-term future, I mean, I've got a big heart with regards to the sharing economy mm. and... Um, there's a great book by Robert Scoble um, called The Age of Context, which I'd highly recommend, oh. which we can't go into uh, today. But that looks at all the different ways that, um, uh, I suppose, social and technology is developing and advancing everything from self- self-driving cars through to the benefits to our health, health and how apps can be tracking our health and recommend solutions. There. So that's so the, age of context, the Age of Context Robert, by Robert, Robert Scoble. Scoble, S-C-O-B-L-E. Okay. Scobleizer on Twitter. Okay. So I think all of those things are um, are interesting. But for, for me, in terms of, I suppose, your audience, I think um, what they should be looking at as, as a nice little way to move forward if they're not doing this already um, would be using uh, Google Hangouts and, and having regular webinars uh, that can function through mm-hmm. that. I know, obviously, a lot of your audience, you know, would be um, church leaders and business leaders um, and community leaders. And a big part of um, their communication is looking to share to a wide mm-hmm. audience. 
And in essence, it's a wonderful tool to be hosting a webinar that you could have sort of 10 other people in your Google Hangout, but mm. you can have an audience, an unlimited audience um, globally who are listening in in real time. So I think that's a really incredible tool that people could use. Um, mm. Webinar Jam is a, a webinar software that I use that kind of gets towards that. And again, link of that is on that, that domain that I gave you. But yeah, so I, I think there's a lot going on. Um, mm. I know you've got to go, but I'm going to say one last thing. And this mm. is um, with regards to uh, the ways that we focus on our mm. communication. Just keep it simple. Social media, again, is still about storytelling, mm -hmm. where we've got the opportunity to share incredible stories. And, mm. you know, as Christians, we've got fantastic stories that we can share, and, and that should be good news. Um, and by connecting with the right audience and positioning the story in a way that's intriguing, that's inviting, uh, that, that encourages people to think outside the box, mm. um, I think that's an incredible gift and opportunity that we do have. Um, and obviously, some of these tools help us amplify that message to a wider audience, and it wouldn't be great if they hear it. Fantastic. Well, thanks to, to Caleb Storkey. Uh, do go to uh, calebstorkey.com backslash resources and also go to premier.org.uk for archive versions of each file, including show 407, which was my other show with Caleb. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.